0: What's up, guys? My name is Mark, and you found your way to the Out of Step SLC podcast. Now, we all know Utah is a weird fucking place to live, and there's some good reasons for that. Like, at a graduation ceremony at SUU, that's Southern Utah University, somebody thought it was a good idea to allow a high-ranking member of the LDS cult, Dr. Jeff Holland, to be the keynote speaker. Now, the problem with this, other than how religion and education, in my opinion, don't mix very well, is that this old prick has been very vocal about, quote, protecting traditional family values, which let a lot of the LGBTQ plus community there feel pretty understandably targeted. The campus has since been divided, and a petition has been started to try and prevent it from happening again next year. Our ever so classy neighbors to the West, I'm looking at you, Tooele, had an incident where a two-year-old boy had been accidentally shot by a man who is not supposed to have guns. Turns out this dude is a convicted felon and had five guns in his house, a bunch of weed, mushrooms, and this white powder they described as like nondescript or unknown. Eh, It's probably like Coke or fentanyl or something along with a pill press. And the thing that like pisses me off about this story is it's, this is just another asshole who puts other felons who have worked their asses off to turn their lives around in a really bad light. And the boy is okay, by the way. He underwent surgery, he's he's back home. And some good news for a change. The Great Salt Lake has risen over two feet. All this fucking snow and rain that has been such a pain in the ass to drive through has actually really been paying off. Uh, We still have a really long ways to go. But since the runoff hasn't really officially started yet, I mean, this is good. things are actually looking up for a change. Now with that said, what I actually love about living here is the counterculture and the music scenes that I call home. I really think we have one of the hardest scenes in the nation due to the overwhelming need to resist the right-wing religious culture that not only surrounds us but stifles us as well. All right, guys, welcome back to the next installment of the uh, St. Paddy's Day slash Celtic Punk Month series. Today I'm going to talk about a band that I discovered on TV of all places way the hell back in 2006, the Dropkick Murphys. Now, I knew that Dropkick have been around for a really long time, but... I didn't realize just how much info I was going to end up having to pack into this, so this is going to be a twofer. Now, way back in the Stone Age, 2006, (laughs) there was this wonderful package you could get if you had cable called On Demand. I mean, it had all kinds of shit from like animation to music videos to the good old-fashioned trashy American reality TV shows. Uh, It just so happened that my grandparents had this package, and when my siblings and I would go and stay with my old man for the weekend, I would spend literal hours watching music videos from various genres. Now, this is where I discovered Dropkick, And I believe it was the music video for Walk Away, which really struck home at the time since the family was going through a divorce. Um, But their sound and aggression intrigued me. And so I went down the rabbit hole. Now, obviously, they are way more punk-focused over Flogging Molly, at least early on in their career. Like, you could make a solid argument about those being hardcore punk. And when you listen to them, you'll see what I'm talking about. Dropkick themselves were actually really, really surprised at how influenced they were by traditional Irish music when they listened to their first song, "Barroom Hero. Now, as Ken Casey says, quote, It dawned on us that Irish music was a bigger influence on all of us than we'd realize. Growing up in Boston, every time you went to a wedding or a wake or your grandparents' house, you heard that music. I went through a phase of just hating it because that's what my folks listen to. Close quote. They've consistently said over the years that they want to be the ACDC of Celtic punk rock. And save for their most recent couple of albums, I'd say they've accomplished that. Which, I mean, fuck, guys, they've, they've released 11. Now... Damn near everybody knows of them, whether that's been through the various media that their music has been in, like um, their song Shipping Up to Boston was featured on the movie The Departed. Great film, by the way. I highly recommend you go watch it if you haven't already. Um, The Simpsons episode The Departed And their take on a classic Red Sox song, Tessie, was in a 2005 MLB video game soundtrack, just to name a couple. Or just a quick search on the internet for Celtic punk music, even, and they're boom, right there. Now, I do want to touch on a few things that they've done and continue to support that I find admirable. um, And it's made me a much bigger fan of their music and who they are as actual people Um, And I want to talk about this before I dig into the albums. Now, Dropkick are major supporters of workers' unions and the working class. All the shirts sold by them are 100% union-made in the U.S. to support U.S. laborers. And I love this because much of the United States pushes this anti-union agenda. And the only reason they do that is so that they can continue to exploit the working class so that the fat cats can buy more luxury cars, homes, and attend those really cringy fucking cocktail parties while the actual workers that are allowing them to be there risk their minds and bodies every day to barely make ends meet. Uh, One of their music videos, uh, Tomorrow's Industry, Helped support the United Healthcare Workers East in their struggle for free and fair union elections and just have their voices heard. They've also been heavily involved in charity work. Uh, They founded the CLATA uh, Fund. I probably butchered that, but whatever. Uh, Which (laughs) works with community-based organizations that focuses on vets, uh, children, And substance recovery programs, not just here in the U.S., but all over the fucking world. Um, Hell, in the aftermath of the Boston Marathon bombing, they raised over $100,000 to help the victims of that horrific time by selling a For Boston t-shirt where 100% of the money went to the victims. And fuck, $65,000 of that was raised in the first 15 hours. Like it's insane. Uh, they received the Robert F. Kennedy Children's Action Corps, um, embracing the Legacy Award for years and years of charity work. Um, they received this re- award back in uh, 2016. So it's pretty obvious. Just mentioning a few of these points that these are some like genuine, really good dudes, dudes who have been able to affect real change in the lives of those around them. And I find this inspiring, and I hope you do as well. I mean, fuck, if I can even do a fraction of this, I I would die happy. And I really mean that. All right, with that, with that out of the way, let's just get into the music. So in 1998, Do or Die was released. Now, when you're someone like me who has listened to Dropkick for a really long time, it was a pleasant surprise to go all the way back. And listen to something of theirs that because it's so different. And part of that is because in Do or Die, they had a completely different frontman man uh, by the name of Mike McColgan. Uh, now, Mike was a founding member and ended up leaving the band in the same year to pursue a career in firefighting. Now, a little trivia slash side note for all of you. Being a firefighter in Boston is a huge deal. I mean, it comes with like this sort of social status and respect that no other profession will really provide. But the band had a different view. Quote We'd like to take this time to officially let you know that Mike McColgan, our former lead singer, has quit the band. We apologize to anyone who is a fan of Mike. As our singer, however, contrary to the popular popular rumor, he did not leave the band to join the fire department. Mike left the band because he is no longer interested in being a member of this band or the movement of which we are a part of. Now, he did join the Boston fire department. And a few years later, he left that and wanted to get back into music. So he founded uh, Street Dogs. With that said... This album sounds similar to like other punk music being released at the at this time. I mean, a lot of gang vocals. Um, not quite played at the the same pace as that as the other stuff that's being released. And that's not to say this album is bad or anything. I mean, you can hear similarities to the real Mackenzie's as far as the vocals go, and a definite like oi-oi-oi <laughs> sound. So with this episode, I'm going to do my my song recommendations just a little differently on account of just how much they fucking released. So please pay attention. (laughs) Uh, I recommend checking out A Cadence to Arms. It's the opening track that features the pipes with a really nice rock twist. It's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, Barroom Hero, Boys on the Docks, and Firestarter Karaoke. But really, I think this is a great album for longtime listeners to revisit or even like newcomers to experience before diving into the rest of like, you know, what they are now and what they sound like now, just to get like a different perspective. Now, in 1999, The Boys released a new record called The Gang's All Here. Now, this is their first album featuring Al Barr, and he's the one that provides those grumbly, rough vocals that we've all fallen in love with. Uh, I personally would classify this album as more of a hardcore album. Um, Al brought, like, this energy from his, like, this aggression (laughs) from his former band, The Bruisers. And... That alone encourages mosh pits and an, a completely different attitude from the first album. Now, this or this record features a labor-conscious song called uh, Ten Years of Service," and it speaks out against those who make their extravagant livings off the backs of the working class. Uh, another personal favorite of mine: pipe De- pipe bomb of Lansdowne, which promotes real shows from real musicians. It, <laughs> it basically attacks like the whole emerging techno scene and designer drug scene that was going on at the time. Um, amazing grace, obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a good song, but obviously they threw the pipes in and with a nice, and they have a nice solid twist with heavily distorted guitars. So yes, I'm very partial to this version of amazing grace and Obviously, the title track, The Gang's All Here, it's just a bona fide classic. 2001 brought us Sing Loud, Sing Proud, which was, honestly, was the first full-length record I ever got my hands on. Um, I mean, everything from the instruments to the vocals are so much clearer in comparison to their other stuff. And it's, it's full of just absolute bangers. I mean, yes, I said bangers. Get get the fuck over it, whatever. This is another one of those albums where you're just going to have to add the whole damn thing and listen to the whole fucking thing. It's just so good. It opens with the Boston College fight song For Boston, which seamlessly leads into the legend of Finn McCumhell. Uh, this album proves unconditionally that At this point in time, this specific point in time, they found their sound, their message, and their place in the scene. Now, if I absolutely have to pick what I think are the best songs off this album, I'd have to go with For Boston, Uh, obviously, The Rocky Road to Dublin. Everybody loves that song. Uh, The Gauntlet, Caps and Bottles, and of course, of course, you can't leave this one out, The Spicy McHaggis Chick. Fellow fellow Bagpipe fans will not be disappointed. This album is special to me in that it really set the standard for me as far as like hard Celtic rock or even just Celtic rock. And you really, you really need to listen to the whole thing. But if you're more of like an add to my playlist kind of person, these songs won't leave you wanting. I can promise you that. A couple more years go by, and in 2003, they released Blackout. By now, you can safely assume that they've carried on the same sound that they perfected in Sing Loud, Sing Proud. Uh, This album opens with Walk Away, which is the music video. This is the song that I discovered them by. Um, And it kind of, sort of, pretty much insinuates, like, a parent walking away from their family to, quote pursue your own selfish dreams and then begging the question, are they the family trying to find you now as an angry teenager that I had no idea what the fuck was going on with my family and it hit me really, really hard. And now this is my opinion and it's strictly that I think it does way more damage as parents to stay together for the kids than it does to just rip off the fucking Band-Aid and face it for what it is. You know, I mean, shit, sometimes things happen, people fall out of love, it is what it is. Now, this song is quickly followed by The Worker's Song, which is another protest song about the workers' soldiers' plight, hence the chorus. Quote, "We (laughs) we are the first ones to starve, the first ones to die. We're the first ones in line for that pie in the sky, for the worker is working when the fat cat's about. Now, guys, if there is a God and that God just so happens to anoint the working class with a first class ticket to the highest heaven, well, then I'd say 90% of us are in luck and our fucking asshole bosses, company owners, whatever the fuck, they get to all rotten hell where they belong anyway. Now, that's a God I could actually fucking believe in right there. Now another great song off this album is The Dirty Glass. It details a relationship between, I mean as far as I can tell, an alcoholic and his not so innocent barkeep who is sung by Stephanie Doherty. Do- Fuck, I hope I didn't butcher that. Uh it's but it's a really fun, surprisingly upbeat albeit pretty ironic drinking song that I'll have you singing along in no time. And It just may remind you of some past relationships, but you know, I I don't know nothing. (laughs) So guys, that brings us to the close of this episode. Um, I really love these early albums. They have this just gritty charm to them that their later stuff, it just doesn't have. And it's always cool to go back and listen to a band's progression into the artists that they become down the road and in these earlier recordings the change is just palpable you can you can easily mark it there's not really super gradual it's each album is very different from the previous i mean not to mention their dedication to supporting those around them and the community around them whether that be someone trying to recover from substance abuse your you know, the. <laughs> I hate it, but the common laborer or even the victims of a terrorist attack. I mean, these are some really good dudes that are really, honestly, really easy to relate to. All right, guys, that does it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you guys could just do me a little favor and download the episodes when you'd listen, it really help me out. I mean, it's it's literally the only way that I know you guys are out there and I would just really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to leave a rating and review on your way out. I really want to know what you guys think. Also, don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. And hey, share this with a fucking friend, why don't you? Find me on Instagram at slc. and until next time, we'll see you in the pit.